Welcome to My COVID Diary. My name is Andrea Hardacre and this is My COVID Diary. Like everybody else worldwide, I'm trying to get to grips with a whole new lifestyle during the corona pandemic. I decided to chart my journey here. March 31st, 2020. Today, I braved a visit to the chemist to pick up a prescription. I suffer migraines when stressed and had run out of pills. Because of the virus, I feel uncomfortable around the chemists. Even more uncomfortable than I feel around supermarkets. It's all in the mind, I know that, but still. I left the house without a coat, then realised that spring wasn't quite as far forward as the lighter evenings suggest. I had to stand in a queue metres apart from the person in front for about ten minutes outside, shivering. I've been to the chemist a fair bit recently. What I haven't mentioned yet in my diary is that my other half has had a virus for some time, probably since mid-January. He did have a cough, but was also very tired with swollen glands and terrible headaches. He was diagnosed with sinusitis a few weeks back, and it's taking ages to heal up. He was frightened to go out in case people thought he had corona, but then had to have emergency dental treatment on top of all that. He's not had an easy time, bless him. Last time I was in the chemist, there were loads of people crammed inside. I stood a bit of a distance apart, wondering why no one else was doing the same. That was only just over a week ago. Changed days. Today it was a different story. Staff behind toughened plastic with protective clothing. I think anyone in that chemist would be glad I was standing so far back. I've been making a lot of homemade soup recently in a bid to boost Paul's immune system and help him on the road to recovery. I grew up with a mother who was full of natural remedies from slipping a wee dram into my nighttime drink whenever I had a cough to making me steam over a boiling bowl of water. I've used both methods on Paul. I've also used heaps of garlic. So, yeah, I'm sure everyone was glad I was standing well back from the queue. A few weeks back, I made what can only be described as a tincture for him after reading about the benefits of vitamin C and zinc. This was way before the medics started using it, so I got serious bragging rights here at home once we found out it was being used by the experts in the treatment of corona. The tincture was made from dried elderberries, honey and cloves. To be honest, it tastes pretty nasty, but it's good for you. Town is very different at the moment. Coffee shops lie empty, fashion stores and bookshops, everything feels so lifeless. People look strained, there were very few smiles. Eye contact, when it was made, was wary. But then, this is how it is when every human you meet has the potential to make you ill, or worse. I decided to stay selective with the news that I focused on again today. But I couldn't help smiling at the mountain goats from Landudno striding into town. What fantastic creatures. We've got a woodpecker in the woodland behind us for the second year running. I'd never heard a real woodpecker until last year and it's great to hear him pecking away out there in the morning. We used to have an owl too, but that's another story. I turned to music for the first time today since lockdown. 
I don't know why I've resisted it so far, because after a quick burst on the fiddle and some chord strumming on the baritone, I immediately felt better. Music can do that for you, whether you're listening or playing. Playing is almost like putting on a poultice. It draws the stress right out of you. It's hypnotic and meditative. I should do it more often. There have been some worrying things in the news about police exerting control in strange ways. Like the corner shop told it couldn't sell Easter eggs as they weren't a necessity. That's a strange thing to say. I've often wondered about how our policing will change in the years to come. Officers are now having to complete a university education. You may not think anything of that, but it does make me wonder. When I first started in journalism, we were the first university graduates with a specialist postgrad diploma in journalism to start on papers. I didn't really think anything of it at the time, but when I started in the profession, the older journalists were the ones who you always looked to for experience and who really knew how to do the job. Most of them had started their career as copy boys or girls. They often lived on the patch they served at local level and knew the community inside and out. They had contacts. They also had excellent people skills. When I did my postgrad, I was among some people who clearly thought they were above everyone else. I often wondered how they fare in situations where the job requires you to put people at ease. Those particular people didn't put me at ease. Slowly, journalism changed, for a lot of reasons, but I'm pretty certain that uni graduate requirement was one of them. You don't learn people skills at university, and you find yourself among people with a specific set of values. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, here's an example. Today, five officers turned up at the door of a man accused of making a traffic warden feel uncomfortable after he filmed the warden ticketing cars during lockdown. That same man had phoned the police repeatedly after his van was broken into and he had thousands of pounds of gear stolen last week, but nobody turned up to his door. Think about the way these two incidents were prioritised. One was someone saying they felt uncomfortable. Another was an actual crime being committed. I have a good friend in the police. I've known her since primary school. And I just know she's an excellent policewoman. She's got a cracking sense of humour and she's always been very level-headed. She's got great people skills too. She was bright enough to go to university but I don't think she needed it. She had it all there when she left school. I don't see how you can study the skills you need to be a good policeman any more than you can study the skills you need to be a good journalist. You learn most of the skills on the job and from those older than you who've done the job. The thing about the traffic warden saying he or she was made to feel uncomfortable is this. What if he or she made me uncomfortable? How do you prove uncomfortableness? If it becomes a crime to film what's happening around you, what happens if something unlawful is happening and that's your only way to prove it? What then? Again, I don't have the answer. These are just some of my niggles. I guess I've been thinking a lot about freedom at this time. Because lockdown is a bit like being in prison, getting out for your daily exercise, but otherwise confined. I know it's different, 
I know we have all sorts of comforts here at home, but it's that lack of companionship or contact with others that's getting to most of us. And it's that lack of freedom to just do as we please. My elderly neighbours have spent the last five days in their garden, tidying it up for spring. They do this every year, and secretly, it pisses me off. It puts pressure on me to weed. Weeding is a little bit like exercising for me. It's something I know I should do, would feel better for. But God, please let me do something else instead. A friend got in touch and told me she's taken up running since she can no longer go to the gym. She loves her daily exercise, as do her boys. I think a bit of improvisation is taking place in her house. I have images of her in my head working out with a can of beans or tomatoes if she was lucky enough to get any. It's a bit like my son walking for two hours a day, then doing all sorts of weird looking stretches in the garden. We scared the life out of each other today. He stood up at the kitchen window just as I went to the sink. We both yelped. The thing about my son and I is that we're both a little bit like Shaggy and Scooby. The slightest noise can have us running for our lives. I remember when he was little, the house alarm going off when Paul was at a late night football match and we were all in bed. Joe was shouting at me to go and check what was happening. I shouted back, telling him to go. He was about eight. It was Beth three years his junior and 34 years my junior, who finally got up and said, It's fine, Mummy. It's just a battery or something. There's no one there. The novel I'm reading is The Bookshop for the Broken Hearted and it has a character in it who lives through Auschwitz. I often think about the Jews and how some of them managed to survive that awful time. It puts all sorts of worries that we have into perspective, doesn't it? Last year, I read about Edith Eager in her book, The Choice, a true life survivor of the camps. She said she loved to dance and tried to keep dancing in her mind as a way to always remain free and retain hope, even when she broke her back. When you think of what people like Edith endured, it makes you realise how little we're actually being asked to do. And it definitely shows the importance of keeping positive. Positive.